Welcome to Bare Roots, the podcast that unearths the truth. Allegedly. We're your hosts. I'm Alina. And I'm Shannon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bare Roots. Today, we have an exciting episode talking all about the famous magician Houdini. So you may be wondering, you know, was what about Houdini would categorize it as a conspiracy theory and whatnot? Well, there's a lot of talk about his death and how some people think that there was some foul play regarding his death. Because as we'll dive into it, why would someone like Houdini, who is so famous, so powerful at the height of his career, you know, suddenly dies? Was it a simple medical issue or was there more? And that is something that we are going to talk about today. How are you feeling today, Shannon? I'm feeling good. So this episode was really interesting to research because I didn't know much about Houdini and I kind of like him. Yeah, very interesting man. I mean, the background, like a little spooky, but like interesting. And kind of attractive. He has some pretty eyes. (laughs) Yeah, so I thought he was really interesting. I liked his, we'll get into it, but he got married and they were of equal age or close to it Mm -hmm. i did the math myself yeah okay this is appropriate you know there's always a point when researching for bare roots where you have to pull out the calculator you know Mm -hmm. exactly we're not you know just researchers we are also mathematicians over here (laughs) so i liked that i thought he was interesting i thought he stuck by his morals Mm mm-hmm I overall thought this was a really interesting episode of research. So thank you for coming up with the topic, Alina. Yeah, of course. I saw that and I was just like, yeah, this is an interesting theory and an interesting man that I really don't know too much about. I mean, of course, we know he's a famous magician and all of these things um, or all those things, I should say. But, you know, there's a lot of details that we don't know about. And hopefully you guys learned something as well today. Yeah, so let's just jump into it. So Harry Houdini was actually born with the name Eric Weitz in 1874 in Hungary, which in my mind, I don't know, I thought he was American, which I guess he did move to America when he was four years old. So, but originally in Hungarian. So he would later change his name from his childhood nickname, Eri, and his last name as an homage to the great French magician, Jean Eugene, or actually, <laughs> yeah. I should say Jean, actually, really, I should say Jean. Jean Eugene Robert Houdin. I feel like a great I name. That. Yeah, great I kind of like that. Yeah. So that's kind of where he got his inspiration for his kind of a stage name, if you will. Yeah. And so when they emigrated to the U.S., they settled in Appleton, Wisconsin, and his dad was a rabbi there, um, which is an interesting spot where, you know, who thought that there would be a famous magician there in Wisconsin. And so because the family wasn't by any means like a rich family, by the age of nine, he started working as a trapeze performer to make money in circuses. So he was very much in the performer world, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And in 1882, his family moved to New York City, where Eric or Harry Houdini began performing in Vaudeville shows, um, which uh, 
performed in vaudeville shows. Okay, wait, hold on. Pause one second. Have you heard of vaudeville shows? Yeah. Okay, because I I real I didn't realize it was a big thing. I thought they were kind of like just side acts, but yeah, it was a big thing. Yeah, because I was watching something on the TV the other day and they talked about this. And I was like, huh, you know, I'm researching. Okay. <laughs> Side note. Which was considered to be the top of the entertainment pyramid. So this is really where you want it to be. And I mean, you're in New York City. How amazing. So in 1891, Harry and Jacob Hyman, which was his friend, created an act that included a basic set of card and magic tricks. And they called themselves the Brothers Houdini. And in 1892, so a year later, after the death of Eric's father, they took their show on the road. So he was really starting to build momentum and credit in their show. And in 1894, Eric married Wilhelmina Beatrix Ratner, and she was 18 years old. Also, her nickname was Bess, who ended up becoming his stage assistant, which is like a cute little romantic moment. (laughs) (laughs) And as we talked about earlier, I think at this time, Harry was 20. So like a two year age difference. Like we love that. We love that. We love that. We respect that. (laughs) (laughs) And they're business partners. And they're business partners. How much better can you get, you know? Mm. And so they're going through the shows and all these things but in 1989 he actually considered quitting the business altogether just really feeling burnt out which is very understandable I mean he was in the performing world since nine so he didn't know if this was the turn he needed to make but eventually they were able to perform for the vaudeville shows for more money but less shows so we love working harder or not working harder not working harder but smarter aka making more money (laughs) so This is really where he began to rise in fame as an escape artist and manipulating locks and just having pure brute strength. So like Houdini kind of had a little bit like a muscular body. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, tapping into the he really was a good looking man. Yeah. Did you see those photos? Yeah, I did. I did notice that. Yeah. So he was showing off the strength for sure. Not a bad looking guy. Yeah. (laughs) And I think this is what we all think of when we think of Harry, like a typical act would be where he was bound with chains and tossed in a box that was locked and in water, but somehow he was able to escape. And so all these crazy, you know, tricks that he was doing. I saw a video of his brother because his younger brother eventually got into magic and everything. And after he died, he inherited after Harry died, he inherited all of his sets and things. Mm-hmm. And so there was a rare video of the brother doing like Harry's main stunt, which was mm-hmm. to get out of a box mm-hmm. that was locked. And he was in a bag. He was in a sack with chains around him and then in a box with chains around that. And, you know, it's all old timey and flickery and black and white and crazy. And I yeah. saw it happen and it is incredible yeah I feel literally like... in three seconds he's he switches so like he has his little his girl assistant mm-hmm. she closes the curtain and he's in the box in the sack chained up close she closes the curtain goes behind the curtain and then boom she she open he opens the curtain and he's without chains she's in the bag chained up three seconds it was amazing 
I don't even understand how that works. My mind just cannot fathom. It was pretty impressive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he's known for these impressive acts. So exactly. That was like his main trick. He went so much farther beyond that. Yeah. 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 Became a family biz. Mm -hmm. So yes, another trick that he was famous for where he had this milk trick where a milk can, honestly, it was more of like a barrel was filled with water and then he would squeeze into the milk barrel while chain and a curtain was drawn and he would emerge out of it but the chains were still locked and in his lifetime no one knew how he did it no one could figure that out and I just can only imagine as another magician looking at your competition and just trying to be like oh I can debunk this or whatever like oh wow he did like a really great job of performing whatever but at that time no one could figure it out right like clearly Houdini was incredibly intelligent Mm-hmm. to pull exactly. the stuff off like it does not take it it takes a lot for your brain to come up with this stuff to be so seamless oh yeah exactly and even if you have the brains to figure out how to do it that doesn't mes- necessarily translate into performing either right you also need the charisma mm-hmm. exactly. I love them I think I love them <laughs> <laughs> He's a fan favorite here at um, Bear Roots. And then in 1911, in September, a group of Boston businessmen challenged Houdini to attempt the most bizarre stunt of his career, which was an escape from the belly of a 1,500-pound sea monster. We'll link Loch Ness Monster below (laughs) (laughs) our episode that had washed up in the city's harbor. And I think this is also a really famous one as well even when I think of him I think of this and historians still aren't sure what the creature actually was it's been described as everything from a whale to a leatherback turtle possibly oh I was gonna say our fans will know a a not a shark but what was the shark we loved the Greenland shark the (laughs) Greenland shark yes possibly it was the Greenland shark but that's just an alleged thing I looked up what a leatherback turtle was because I didn't know what that was. And it's a turtle that doesn't really have a shell and it's a really thick skin instead. And they are massive, massive creatures. Mm. And I like I just knew I just looked up and looked at photos. But then I told my roommate, who was an animal uh, lover and researcher, <laughs> and she looked up more. And of course, she already knew what they were, but she looked up more and the front flippers of these things can get to eight or nine feet long of a no. turtle. Oh my God. Massive. <gasps> How do they protect themselves if they're turtles without the shell? That's what I want to know. I don't know. They're pretty big, but I think the skin is still really thick. Like you would have yeah. to do a lot of damage to get in there, but yeah, they're definitely more exposed, but they are larger. So I don't know. That's Massive. So freaky. But anyway, (laughs) now I must look at this too. Maybe we'll post it on Instagram on our story. (laughs) If you know, you know. (laughs) So during this trick, he allowed himself to be handcuffed, shackled in leg irons and wedged inside the sinking carcass, which was then covered in chains and placed behind a curtain. So obstacles on top of obstacles. Houdini emerged in triumph after just 
15 minutes, but later admitted that he was nearly suffocated by the fumes from the chemicals used to embalm the beast. Oof. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah. Like, I wonder if, how much money he got paid to do that. I mean, he must have been able got some money, right? I would hope so. I would really hope so, too. So more than 100 years later, the exact tricks behind Houdini's performances were a well-kept secret. In fact, he didn't patent a lot of his magic tricks, if not any, because he didn't want to explain how he did it, which I can respect that. Yeah, he might have gotten, I don't know, like, is there any like monetary value in patenting your stuff, I guess, to an extent, right? Because then you can say it's yours, but then you have to share that. And, you know, those people, I'm sure you could easily pay off to get the secrets and then other people are copying you. You can't trust them just because you're trying to patent it. So I respect that. You got to keep them secret or else you're just another guy who can do it. Exactly. He was also adamant that he wasn't a supernatural person who just did this kind of in like a witchy magic way but was just truly in his mind and what he preached was a skilled magician so for a lot of his years he actually ended up trying to expose mind readers and mediums as con artists because he hated being associated with them he worked really hard for his whole career to get to where he was and people just thought that there was like some you know external source that was helping him out and because people just couldn't fathom it they couldn't understand it through that trying to expose a bunch of people he ended up writing like books about it he ended up exposing side performers sharing all of their tricks you know you like you might have seen maybe you go on a family vacation those people who are swallowing swords or those human ostriches and you know the side performers he created a book just hands down like exposing like this is what they do and da 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 and he even testified to congress lobbying for a bill to regulate mediums and fortune tellers because he really thought it was unfair that there were so many people that were just scamming people saying that they were real but in actuality they were not but on the side he also had some passions in film and aviation where He had his own movie studio and he started to get his pilot's license. So he was kind of an amateur pilot. We love passion projects over here. (laughs) (laughs) So he ended up canceling his touring season during World War I to devote himself to entertaining soldiers and raising money for the war effort. And so he even counseled soldiers on how to escape sinking ships and escape from ropes, handcuffs, and other restraints in the event of capture by the Germans. So sweet. So sweet. We love, yeah, maybe he didn't want to give away his secrets, but he was willing to help out the soldiers. What a great person. I feel like that's almost equivalent to like a self-defense course mm-hmm. you yes. would get you know like mm-hmm. just give me a little something so that if I'm in a situation I can have a leg to stand on and he was there for them exactly and so much of those situations magic tricks are all playing on psychology so the fact that he was able to help them out in that type of environment we love that so now we have to get into his demise He was actually on tour when he passed away. He was doing a show in Albany. So it's a series of unfortunate events. 
Start as it always that. is. Yes. As it all as it always <laughs> is. So he was on tour and he was doing a show in Albany and he shattered his ankle. He being a performer of good stature, he of course ended the show no problem, but he hobbled off the stage. Because the show must go on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But he didn't want to cancel the tour, so he went on to Montreal, his next stop, where he had an event at the McGill University. And after the show, he allowed a few students to come back to his dressing room to just ask him a few questions. He was laying on the couch because his ankle was still fractured, and that's when a student asked if it was true that he could resist hard punches to his abdomen. Because he was very boastful of his strength. And he, <laughs> <laughs> that's the word, strength. <laughs> he was jealous. The student was jealous of his strength. Houdini, of course, confirmed, oh, it's true. I have, I can resist hard punches to my abdomen. And the student abruptly delivered four or five blows to his abdomen without any warning so houdini had no time time to prepare and it caused him incredible amounts of pain can you imagine that you're just in your dressing room and some random kids like hey is it true that you have rock hard ass like yeah and then just proceeds to just punch you in your stomach without any warning yeah i have two thoughts on this one i'm like harry why are you inviting students to your dressing room that seems a little shady i'm not gonna lie seems a little shady hmm However, I am also confused because I saw somewhere that this student was 31 years old. So it's, it's like not a grad like... student, maybe? <laughs> a doctorate <laughs> program? What is yeah. this? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like a bunch of underage kids in his dressing room. Mm-hmm. Not that there would be for university, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I. Yeah, this is all alleged, but I really think that guy was probably just jealous of all the fame and attention this Houdini was getting. So he was just obnoxious, you know. He's like, Ugh. he mm-hmm. says that he can't, he's invincible. I'm going to prove him wrong. And well, he did. Mm-hmm. So Harry, of course, brushed off the incident and began, but he began complaining of discomfort and stomach cramps. And it only got worse. He developed a fever and his doctor suspected appendicitis and told him to go to the hospital. But Harry, come on, Harry, work with us. He (laughs) ignored him again. So this is the what third time Mm -hmm. he's been told to stop (laughs) and he hasn't. And he struggled through his last performance ever. And this was in Detroit. And, you know, he struggled through it, made it through. He was then taken to a hospital and his ruptured appendix was removed. But at this point, it was already too far gone because it had gave it had given him sepsis at this point. Which is like an infection, right? Yeah. It's when your intestines open up in you in you. So he ended up actually dying on Halloween in 1926 at only the age of 52. So sad, sad way to go. And again, it's crazy to think that someone who consistently escaped death would die from appendicitis, possibly. But is that true? Um, I don't know. You know, there's talks that it might not be that simple. 
And we'll go into that after a word from our sponsors. And we are back. Alrighty, Shin, let's dive into some of these theories that people have. Was it really that simple or was there more at stake? Yes. So there are basically two main theories in Houdini's death. Conspiracy theories, I should specify. Mm -hmm. So the first one is that the student killed him. It was the student's fault. And he was actually possibly paid to do it but we'll get into it. The student's name was Jocelyn Gordon Whitehead. And I was very confused by that name upon reading that, thinking that it was a woman. I was like, whoa, did, the, did a woman punch him and kill him? That's crazy. <laughs> whoa, girl power back then. But it is in fact a man named <laughs> Jocelyn. Yes, yes, not to be confused. Not to be confused. Again, the official cause of Houdini's death was listed as peritontis, which is that affection, infection in the abdomen, but it was caused by a ruptured appendix. And, the, and Houdini's doctors firmly believed that the illness was the result of the punching that Whitehead had given him during their backstage encounter in Montreal. But cases of traumatic appendicitis, basically appendicitis that comes from a trauma, are extremely rare. And one study only found a couple dozen instances over nearly a 20-year period. Mm -hmm. But in 1926, the diagnosis was widely accepted that this kid, or I shouldn't say kid, he's 31 years old. (laughs) This man. This man punched Houdini (laughs) and gave him appendicitis and he died. But did his punch start, cause, or contribute to Houdini's death? Was Whitehead put up to it? That is the question. That is the question. There's a theory that Whitehead was trying to murder Houdini by punching him to death, which creative. You know, it's a method and you don't have to worry about any weapons because your hand is that weapon, you know? (laughs) Houdini definitely had enemies, but it would have been a poor way to try to assassinate him. That's a little bit of a stretch. But in the 2005 book, The Man Who Killed Houdini, the author Don Bell wrote a theory that Whitehead may have been in league with the spiritualists, some of who had previously threatened to kill Houdini or have him beaten up. So when he was doing all that stuff about being anti- Mm -hmm. hmm? Like the lobbying. Yeah, when he was doing all the lobbying and exposing all these mediums and fortune tellers, he got a lot of enemies through that. And this author, Don Bell, he concluded that he was, there was not enough evidence to connect Whitehead to any kind of criminal plot, but others have argued that he was an enemy agent who stalked Houdini during the magician's time in Montreal. Yeah, it would be interesting if Houdini was living in this time period, if he had a Twitter or, like, you know, <laughs> would he start a drama channel on YouTube and just kind of going in and exposing all these people and like, canceling <laughs> mediums and con artists? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't doubt it. Right. 
So in that same thread, there's the second theory is that he was actually poisoned because appendicitis or dying from appendicitis is very rare. So again, like we've said, he was a strong critic of clairvoyance and mediums who he believed were defrauding the public. He was actually a part of the Scientific American Committee on Psychic Phenomena, which is an interesting group. Yeah, very specific. Very, very specific. This time period is super interesting to me because all of the seance spiritual, supernatural stuff was kind of main, mainstream and they were trying to make it more scientific almost. Like they wanted to prove that it was real. Mm-hmm. But Harry, he went on to recreate their tricks in his own audiences later. So he was kind of poking fun at them like, look, I can do exactly what they can do and see how I do it. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. I mean, he just didn't want people getting scammed. And I think that part of me is like, well, wouldn't you hate it if somebody did that to you, Harry? However, I think Harry might have welcomed anybody who could actually figure out what he was doing. Right, right. I think he would have respected that. And he was charging people to be entertained by him, whereas these people are manipulating their clients thinking that they're seeing a loved one or hearing from a loved one. And that's a different story I think exactly and like these people are tainting his reputation as well right so one of the women or one of the people that he basically canceled (laughs) this is somewhat of a side tangent but I thought it was really interesting her name was Mina Crandon and she was Canadian but she grew up in Boston and she was a medium and this is a crazy small world but one of her best like one of her most loyal fans was sir arthur conan doyle and if that name sounds familiar that's because he's the author of sherlock holmes yes so harry houdini and sir arthur conan doyle were best like they were no, i shouldn't say best friends but they were <laughs> friends <laughs> and then harry's like she's a fraud and sir arthur conan doyle such a freaking long name oh god <laughs> He stopped talking to him. Like, he was so offended that Houdini can't, like, didn't believe her. That he's like, no, no, you're an idiot. We can't be friends. I love her. And she, I thought this, I looked into her a little bit. And at one point, she too had appendicitis. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how the tables have turned. Yes, but it was before and she didn't die from it. So um, I guess Mm. she came out on top on that one. (laughs) But this is a little bit of a... um, suspicious like there was a whole thing about her like this went on for a long she was about to win some prize money because she they this is what i mean by at that point they wanted to prove this stuff was real so bad that they put out prize money and by they i don't know what the group is at the top of my head but because i didn't write (laughs) it down but a group put out prize money to try to entice mediums to um like basically if they could prove with scientific people around through scientific means of uh, research that they were actually connecting to the spiritual world Mm -hmm. they would get prize money and so she was nominated for it and Houdini came like he was on the board of whatever to go witness this event and he called her out he's like you're kicking it with your foot and she's like 
I don't know what you're talking about. And then everybody <laughs> believed her and not Houdini. And then Houdini went off to Europe or something. I think he was on tour. And the newspapers wrote her stage name was Marjorie. Marjorie outwitted even Houdini. And then he got livid and he came back from Europe. And he's like, oh no, you did it. <laughs> it took weeks and weeks and weeks, but the group, the board ended up dismissing her. She couldn't win the money and every, all of her fans were very upset. But I also found that she would, she was said to be very beautiful and she would perform her seances in the nude and she would often throw herself onto male guests' laps, which is interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe a seance by seduction, like, yeah, I'm really good at this. And, you know, sitting in their lap. However, yeah. <laughs> I also saw something else that she was forced to be nude. And then that put a different turn on it. Like, oh, no. Mm. Was she pulled onto the lap or what? You know, like, is this, yeah. what is this? Yeah. So, I didn't go too far into it at that point, but she was a fraud. She was kicking things underneath the table and causing noises. But anyway, <laughs> that was the that was the Mina Crandon side tangent. But that just kind of shows you how passionate he was about this subject and why he has mm-hmm. so many enemies that were willing to give him death threats. He had millions of dollars worth of lawsuits put against him for all of these debunking i guess you would call it yeah yeah he was taking no prisoners on this subject no 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 (laughs) so in the book the secret life of houdini the authors william kalush and harry slow or larry sloman contend that the magician's death may have been carefully planned a carefully planned assassination by the members of this spiritual community and they said quote if one were to suspect houdini a victim of foul play, then the section of organized crime that was composed of fraudulent spirit mediums must be considered likely suspects. And they argued that the spiritualists had actually a history of poisoning their enemies. And there was no autopsy ever performed on his body. Of course, of course there wasn't. Of course. And they said if somebody was hell-bent on poisoning Houdini, it wouldn't have been very difficult. So that's kind of what that was. And I read that his, so they didn't, he and Bess, his wife never had kids, but Mm -hmm. his great nephew, great, great nephew, great nephew, tried to get his body exhumed back in 2007 so they could test it if there was any poison or I don't even know, like, would that still be able to be tested? Yeah. I do not know. But they wanted to exhume the body, but it kind of went nowhere. I couldn't find any articles like they were all in 2007 and they were all saying, oh, his body will be exhumed. Mm. So I think it just kind of like fizzled out and it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But that would have been very interesting to do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like what were the results if that did happen? Yeah. And why don't we know about it? Right. But I don't think I think it actually didn't happen because they're also saying that the whole thing was just a publicity stunt for a book and yada 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 so Mm, okay okay (laughs) it might not have so those are the two theories and then I just want to end on how poor Bess dealt with this his death after the fact 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they were definitely like lovebirds. Like they really were <laughs> just two peas in a pod. <laughs> so we don't actually maybe they well, we, don't, we don't really know but i guess they i mean they work together live together they married each other at a young age so you can only assume yeah this yeah. is all alleged this is all alleged this is what we want to believe <laughs> yeah this is yeah exactly this is a little twist <laughs> <laughs> so even though he had his suspicions about seances and mediums and everything in that area he made a agreement with his wife that when one of them died they would attempt to get in touch with one another from the other side mm-hmm. and so for more than three years after his death Bess attempted to make contact and she went to a number of spiritualists a number of mediums and they told her they'd gotten messages from her husband, but it was easy to tell that they were faking because <laughs> they had a secret code that they agreed upon ahead of time, and nobody knew what that code was. Mm-hmm. Now we know what the code was, and I don't entirely know how we know, but it was Rosabelle, answer, tell, pray, answer, look, tell, answer, answer, tell. And Rosabelle, the significant of Rosabelle was that it was on the, it was an inscription on Bess's wedding band because it was the name of the song she sang in her act when they first met, which is so sweet. So cute. So cute. Can you guys see where we're going with this? Like, we don't know, but we think they were in love. (laughs) We think they were in love. (laughs) And the other words correspond to secret spelling code that they use to pass information between each other during a mentalism act. So each word pairs with a letter and basically those words spell out believe. Like like the Polar Express. (laughs) Yeah, it's exactly like the Polar Express. (laughs) Where he punches it out and it's the word believe. So none of the seances came up with that code. And, but of course, some people just said that Harry's just being stubborn beyond the <laughs> grave. He's just being like, I'm not, I'm not making any of these mediums famous. Yeah. No. And yeah, he wants to prove that they aren't real, like at least for a majority of them. So if he was to actually, you know, come make through. the message come through, yeah, then it'd be like all his work. So Bess went on to hold an annual Houdini seance for 10 years before finally abandoning the search in 1936. She supposedly said, quote, 10 years is long enough to wait for any man. And to that we say, cheers, Bess. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) But fans and fellow magicians have since made the seance a Halloween tradition. And there's a quote-unquote legit one every year that you can attend to apparently Mm -hmm. and the location changes every year (laughs) but so far harry houdini's ghost has not made an appearance and he has refused to speak Mm. so where's your tinfoil hat shannon like what do you think on jocelyn punching him do you think he was the stark contributor, the reason for Houdini's death, slash, do you think he was poisoned? What are you thinking? I don't think it was simple as he got 
appendicitis and then he got punched and then it ruptured and died. Mm-hmm. I think there was something else in there. Like maybe he had a condition that inflamed his, you know, that did something. Mm, okay. And then it just kind of just exacerbated it. But I'm not sure about the poison. There were accounts that a ruptured appendix had been removed. Mm-hmm. So that makes me feel like that actually happened. And I don't know if there are poisons that can rupture. Are there poisons that can rupture the appendix? I yeah. Know. Was that a weird coincidence? I don't know. Yeah. And I feel like we would have, I feel like if you're going to be the, the spiritualism people, maybe you should try to rough them up first. Yeah. Before yeah. you try to kill them. Like it just seems to go from zero to 180 pretty quick Mm -hmm. so I think it kind of had a condition or something that we don't know about Mm, okay yeah I definitely don't believe in the poison theory overall I do think he did die from like the infection and like the appendicitis but I don't think Jocelyn really helped the situation yeah although a part of me kind of thinks that maybe he did help in a sense because maybe he didn't kept ignoring his yes. appendix yes and then because he got punched in the stomach then he was like okay maybe i should get this checked out da, 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 da. like it was more of a reason to and then he learns that it was really bad i think that totally makes sense and if maybe he had gone to the hospital right after getting punched mm-hmm. they could have taken it out before giving him sepsis yeah but he didn't so yeah i think that was probably the warning sign like hey harry go to the freaking hospital and then he just yep. kept on he was just such a hard worker <laughs> <laughs> such a performer she's just couldn't let the fans down yeah no i agree with you on that yeah it's just really crazy though again as we talked about in the beginning this guy who was able to escape locks and tied up in a box tied up in the water and submerged in like all these crazy different things and this is how he goes out no it's It's such a boring death for somebody who's so interesting yeah exactly just like this isn't what i would have pictured for you houdini but i think i'd rather him die like i wouldn't want him to die in an act that he was doing yeah i think that'd be a lot more scarring (laughs) yeah because it's like he's supposed to escape everything right right there were a few close calls i heard but he never you know i'm glad that he wasn't he wasn't trapped in a box mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i just think that the magician world is just absolutely crazy and interesting and so competitive mm. you know everybody's trying to be the best and trying to kind of one up each other and just I don't know it's very fascinating like how they all do it and how they're able to figure it out definitely there's definitely a lot of competition and it's kind of intellectual property too and it's Mm -hmm. all about the sleight of hand and if you can do it better than the last person or if you know a different way and it's yeah it's totally one-upping each other for sure Exactly. Just feel like not a lot of people talk about this, like in terms of the competitiveness. And I feel like there's got to be so many stories that we don't know about in that whole realm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. Maybe we should become like a magician podcast, you know? Just like (laughs) investigate. Like instead of true crimes, I think there really could be a show on these magicians and just trying to figure it out. How do they one up? And then the competition, like this really could be a thing. Are you looking for cheer, but magicians? 
Yes. <laughs> we need a good story, a couple good characters. Yeah. And again, people are fascinated by it. So I think this really could work out. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. Yeah. So let us know in the um, comments or on Instagram, you know, what do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that concludes today's episode on the famous Harry Dudini magician. Very fascinating. Let us know, you guys, what you think. Um, love to hear it on our Instagram at Bear Roots Pod. Um, go follow us there. Go tell your friends to follow us and, you know, share some of our episodes. We have a lot of great ones lined up and, you know, we just shouted out Loch Ness Monster. You know, check that out if you haven't heard that <laughs> one. But anyways, thank you all again so much for listening and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. can't hear you he has some pretty eyes i still can't hear you uh, he has some pretty eyes i, still can't hear you. <laughs> uh, I can hear you hello hi <laughs> did you hear my sentence no <laughs> it was so funny because i literally said it three times i'm like he has some pretty eyes <laughs> <laughs> And I repeated myself three times because you're like, I still can't hear you. I'm like, he has some pretty eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess but, the Zoom got it though. Yeah, I was gonna say when you listen to the edit, you're gonna just like die. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs>